All right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And well, it's Sunday, 10 a.m. I'm actually pre-recording this. Truth be told, it is Saturday at 2, 1.54 p.m. Siri thinks I'm talking to her. <clears throat> Let me close that out. All right, back on track here. All right, we are back with another In the Bivouac, and it is part of the Back to Baja series. We are going to be talking to Daniel Velasquez. Carrera 777. <clears throat> so, a lot going on this week. I actually, we got this episode, we've got the interview. Last night, headed down across the border to check out the new spot, the rider spot, or Baja ADB Garage, right located at kilometer zero in Playa de Tijuana. So, had a lot of fun last night. Me and Marco got a great shop tour. Video is live on YouTube. If you guys want to head on over to the YouTube channel and check that out. Great little spot. Got a little bar. Got a little restaurant. Food truck there. Full service shop. Love it. Place is absolutely epic. Could not have asked for better weather. Marco, always a great host. Great person to talk to. Again, the video is live on YouTube. In the meantime, though, we're going to be talking to Daniel Velasquez. Known him for quite some time. Known of him. Worked together some of the Baja races. I mean, just cross paths with him. Uh, we did the uh, show with the Baja Bound guys. Got a chance to talk to him there. Really good. Get a chance to talk and meet to him. That was again last year. That is going to be coming up again this year. Uh, so looking forward to attending that. I think they're going to change the venue this time around, which will be pretty cool. But yeah, so that's it. We got a, we got a lot going on. We got a lot coming up. You guys heard last week from Lizzie, we are going to have Daniel Velasquez this week, and then we've got Andy Kirker coming up right behind him. We've also got a few other guests. We'll check in with Lizzie again next week, find out a little bit more about who is coming up. But very excited. Lots of great episodes coming up already. It's absolutely awesome. I'm excited. Hey, we got Baja Rally coming up. you got the Sonora Rally School coming up after that. And then, of course, the one everybody prepares for. It is going to be the 2024 Dakar Rally. We've got a couple other rallies going on, but, you know, we got our North America rallies. Let's see our North America rallies first. Again, Baja Rally coming up next. And we've got some other stuff going on. I've, uh, I've heard uh, some rumors, some things. If you guys heard the, uh, the episode with uh, Todd Zacker, hey guys, uh, he alluded to some of the stuff that is going on. So we got a lot happening in the rally world. I hope you guys are staying tuned. I got some stuff that I got to do on the 501 and get you guys the recipe. I think I finally perfected it. Get that bar mount stuff on there. Very, very simple. But with that being said, guys, that is enough for an intro. Let's get us over to the interview with Daniel Velasquez from Carrera 777. I hope you guys enjoy. Let's turn down the party. So, w welcome to the podcast. <laughs> okay. So, I, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking like, all right, what are the questions, you know? I mean, finally, we, I've known you for a long time, known of you for even longer. And I was like, where, where do we even start the questions and w about, you know, Carrera 777 and, and all your involvement with Baja and Knight Rider and everything that you're doing? So, I was looking at videos online and I figured it out. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, do you still are are you still repping or still working with uh Liquid? I think it was Liquid Raider. Liquid Liquid Raider. The remote control handlebar water thing. Yeah, well, uh I worked for a while for that uh, with that uh project mm-hmm. and actually I got to write it, test it, abused it and used it. But uh then after some bugs coming out of it and, and then the owner wanted to sell the company. Mm-hmm. So that's was kinda like a bummer and then like how I'm gonna sell something there where where I'm gonna get the parts and stuff and what if uh the guy doesn't sell it or I don't know but yeah. you know no. I went like uh you know, it was a very good idea, very good product, but uh, it, it had some some issues. But when if they would be perf- uh, 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 perfected, mm-hmm. that that would have been a very very good product. Very man. good product. Yeah, it, it seemed like it. And the reason was is you know I know that uh, the hydration thing is is super important, especially now that we're getting into the into the warmer months. But that was that's yeah. that's just one of the companies that you work with. Uh, who who are you currently working with at, at Carrera? What what are the brands so, you rep? What do you do? So right now I have uh, Fast House, mm-hmm. uh, Night Rider, of course, uh, Flow Vision goggles, uh, Rigid Lights, uh, GPR stabilizers, ASB, IMS, uh, Matrix Concepts, uh, OGO Bell helmets. And uh, just just uh, now, like a little boy with a new toy, I'm representing Kobe uh, motorcycles. Ooh! Now that one has been a hot topic lately. <laughs> I know, I know, huh? Yeah. So awesome. So I didn't, you know. See, that's one of the things. Like I was just looking. Like I, I know, I know. When I think you, I think Night Rider because you've been with Night Rider. How long have you been with Night Rider? Uh, about 10 years. And actually that was like the, that was the second company that came aboard on my lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started as a dealer for Troy Lee Designs, uh, when I first started my, uh, my storefront mm-hmm. and it was just a little storefront and just, you know, I, I actually, I didn't have a, a fucking idea of, uh, of what I was going to do, but I just wanted a little storefront and, and, you know, have cool stuff and have riders come and, and, and buy stuff and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, I think it was uh, in a, on a mountain bike race or something that they had the guys from Night Rider and uh, I did an approach. And uh, then first thing you know, the owner comes and, He's like, hey, uh, we need a, a rep, and then to start doing something with the off-road stuff because they were not doing it by then. Uh, they decided not not to sell it anymore, and which which was so super popular when I was racing motorcycles. When we saw fucking when we saw Dust to Glory, we all wanted to have the setup that Miles McCoy had. So we all wanted to have the helmet lights and all that. But then they, they, they started, you know, they decided not to sell that that stuff. But then I think it was like in 011, 012, when they started redesigning all the off-road things. Mm-hmm. And I jumped aboard on Knight Rider some, since like the first days. And then, you know, I started to, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
work hard to introduce the product, put my ideas, starting to uh, like uh, getting more involved in score international. And that's when they did the transition with uh, Abelardo Grijalva, who was who entered there, and they you know the the, the, the change of uh, ownership with Roger Norman. Mm-hmm. And then I started there to, uh, as an ex-racer, I wanted to get more involved, but in the organization. So I started uh, working there as a tech inspector for the motorcycles for like a year, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, that's when I started getting more involved with, with Knight Rider. And then we, we started like to go and put a booth and show the product and show it to the riders and all that. And, and it sounded like people at the beginning, it was hard. Now it's self by itself, by itself, but you know, I have to do my, my, you know, my hard work there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we were like, we had our stand like next to the, the to the banda people and the and the guys telling the t-shirts and the other guys you know yeah. the, the thing with the with the ball and all that. So <laughs> not, not the yeah. best location, but made it happen. Yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, but you know, who, who knows? Like, well, who, who would have known? And now, now I'm next to tech, you know, mm-hmm. and I have a mandatory product there. So that's that's super cool. And I was going to say, know, hard work, hard work pays. It does. It does. It's and it's hard to see in the future sometimes. But, but speaking of the hard work, you guys recently introduced something which you know, as far as safety goes and, and motorcycling, whether it's adventure or, or even off-road in Baja, you guys recently, you just worked with score on, on a new light setup, correct? The, the blue light. Yes. Well, uh, we started with the red flashing lights mm-hmm. and we, and we made them mandatory for uh, motorcycle safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then each and every rider had to have one flashing light on their back for if, like, if, uh, if a faster vehicle approaches behind you, they could see you. Mm-hmm. And they would know it's another vehicle or a motorcycle, but then the the, the car guys who are all kind of like very very smart, and they would say and they would wouldn't slow down because they would think that it was another car because they would see a red light, mm-hmm. and that was like uh, that that's why. We decided, like, oh, so there's, there has to be, like, a nerfing rule. And then one day, Andy was watching the Dakar, and we see an incident with uh, De Villiers when he uh, ran over a motorcycle. Yeah. And that's when they, uh, Andy calls me and then calls Abelardo. He calls Abelardo and tells, hey, is there a rule for that? Yeah, so, uh, but uh, we need to change the color of the of the light. That's with the class 11 and the slower cars for the nerfing rule. Mm-hmm. So Abelardo calls me, say, can, can we make this happen? And I call Tom, Tom Carroll, the owner of Night Rider. Hey, mm-hmm. Tom, uh, can, can we make this happen? <laughs> and he's like, let me see. Yeah. So it was kind of uh, tension for uh, for a week or so, and then he's like, "Yeah, uh, it's uh, already done. I have a, a model here. Just wait uh, one more week, and I'll and I'll show it to you." So I 
I received it like like a, like a little baby, man. Nice. So I showed it to Andy, I showed it to to Abelardo, and then we like. But before that, I told Tom, hey, it has to have all these specifications. Uh, this uh, amount of light, you know, amount of the lumens, mm-hmm. brightness, and has to have a DBF, uh, like a daylight visible, visible flash, which that, that stands for. And, well, we, we came up with the right product. So that, that ended up being the, the safety light for uh, motorcycle riders and quad riders for score. Nice. So that's, uh, that's, that's a very, you know, that's a very cool story. And it, we did it, you know, to... So now, the, the the if a trophy truck is behind a let's say an Ironman rider or a slower one, and uh, now they see a blue light, forcefully they have to slow down, or if not, they they they, they get penalties. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. And I mean, in that the margin of error, I mean, between an eight hundred horsepower truck and a and a fifty five sixty five horsepower bike, is uh, is not very big. So with a rider, with a rider, all tired, throwing bubbles and stuff, and and then the the guys in the trophy truck with a co-driver, all fresh and all that, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. So yeah, but I mean that's and you know I think that that is a good. um, I mean, it's definitely a good step in the right direction. I think that it's going to become the standard. I've already seen it in a bunch of different uh, racing arenas. You know, you're starting to see more of that blue light for the uh, for the slow car, which started in the car side. I believe even started, I think, in the UTVs. Yes, that was uh, the the nerfing rule for the car. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's good. You know that that they're using that. I think that that's really smart, and 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 it's adding to the to the safety side of it. Yes, and then like. Since uh, we did it, and then since Abelardo has been putting more attention on the bikes and putting more, since Andy hopped on board at, at, at score mm-hmm. and doing all what he's doing and all that, and he got me as his uh, sidekick or something, mm-hmm. you know, and then and we, we come up with ideas and stuff, and and Abelardo uh, listens to us and, and, and help us out. Like, the first thing we did with him it's like uh, it's put him on the perspective of a motorcycle rider. So what we did, I called my friend Tim Morton and, hey, do you have a bike that we can borrow from you to take a lot of riding? Mm-hmm. And then I called several companies. I got in boots. We got in gear. Uh, you know, we, we set him up. Okay, Abelardo, let's go ride. So, turn it out that, that he was a he's a decent rider. So, so but we explained him about the uh, all the the BCPs and all stuff that the things that that they were doing wrong and and not putting attention or emphasis on the motorcycle riders and and he got uh, you know he got the idea and and and, and right away he started to help out. Nice, and you know, and that's. That's actually really interesting. I mean, if I'm I'm thinking about it and as this is happening. So if Abelardo really, you know, turned out to be a good rider, um, you know, as you're saying, and out of nowhere. So it wasn't like he, he's he's been a rider, a racer for years and years and years. He, well, he, wouldn't that be it makes him like one of the guys that that shows up. You know, we, we talked um, we've talked previously to other teams and. 
they're these guys are guys that have never been in Baja that are newer to riding riding motorcycles and then racing and and score gets a lot of that. Yeah. So yeah, but well, turns out Abelardo did have a motorcycle, but the thing is, he had uh, he had a wife. Well, he has a wife, and that was the. Uh, there's a little bit of a trade there. <laughs> Yeah, so that was a deal. He okay. told us about it. Ah, okay, so undercover, he's a bike guy. He just didn't say it. <laughs> well, he had a bike, but then his his wife made made him sell it. So yeah. that's the thing. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, but, but you know what though? I mean, it, it's a good thing that you guys, that you and Andy Kirker got involved and in, and and did that to to show him the perspective of the bikes. And you know, I was the last uh, episode that we had. Uh, one of the last episodes, we talked to Seth Barnes um, from uh-huh. uh, that came back east. His first Baja race ever, you know, first time dealing with score and had nothing but good things to say. And so I think that this there's already a direct like what you guys are doing, what you and Andy are doing with Abelardo. It's like it's having an impact already on guys that have never raced score before, you know, which is which is awesome. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, I'm yeah. um, I'm very stoked that we're, we're making things happen and and uh, and everything is turning out great and uh, we love the sport we, we we you know we always take care of the riders and do cool things man yeah and and there's more 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 to come yeah absolutely well I mean you've been doing I mean Carrera seven 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 is what ten years old twelve years old uh started in uh 2011 2011 12 years old 12 years old yeah so nice so so you may have seen a few things what uh <laughs> i'm sure what uh what's your favorite race down there I mean, do you have a favorite now that the whole series the whole score international series is down there well for me one of my favorite ones is uh, the 250 okay uh it's the, like it, it's it's such a great race and uh, it's, it, it's it's very gnarly and and it's the first race of the year and always you know has more uh, uh, expectations. You're like waiting, you you're checking out the new teams and stuff and all that. And you know it's just, it's kind of like one of my favorites. But but of course the the the, the, the best one is the granddaddy of them all, the Baja One Thousand, yes. which is. Because you have everything, you start at night. You it's it's, it's long distance and uh, all the things that uh, that get involved in that race is, is so mystical, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, in that just being there, and then what do you what do you think about this year? So this year is the first year that they're going to start it backwards, right? We're start yeah. The teams are starting. Is it La Paz or in Cabo? No, in La Paz. In La Paz. Okay, so they're racing from La Paz all the way back to Ensenada. Yes. Yeah, backwards. That's going to be... Some, a, guys, so, some guys say, oh, that's going to be tough because it's going to be a uphill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if uphill is all you're worried about. You know, and actually, okay, so thinking about that's that's actually a very interesting thing. So a long time ago, way, way back, many moons ago, we used to race 51600, and we raced the Baja 2000. And when we did that, there's a very big difference in the terrain of Baja California Norte and Baja California Sur. 
It's very different. Yeah. And well, it's faster over there. It's faster. It's more technical. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Now you're going to have riders that have been, you know, fast roads, fast, 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 getting tired, getting into the more technical stuff at the end of the battery. Yes. What do you, so very interesting uh, because, you know, normally the first riders doing the, the start here from Ensenada, they're, they're the ones that take all the data. Mm-hmm. But once they cross to Baja California Sur, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's it's all like it's not that everything is like paved, no. But uh, it's it's different. It's different kind of terrain, faster, smoother. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's tough though. But the the the, the pace is going to be different. The strategies for the riders are going to be different, especially the guys that do are doing like two man teams, three man teams. You know, old school. Not not like baseball teams with eight guys or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh man, I, I hadn't heard that one. It's like a baseball team. They have a starting lineup, you know. They <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but I mean, but it's, it's changed, you know, that's something that we, you know, actually I had recently spoken to Andy Kirker about it and, and there's a very big difference. And then especially when you have, like, I, I still every once in a while chat with, uh, Colton Udall, you know, and yeah. he, he's one of those guys, you know, 600 miles on a bike, you know, in one shot, you know, and that's, you know, getting off in Loreto after starting in Ensenada, you know, just these really long stints. So that's, uh, yeah, then that's right. Well, they, they were taught by, by well, they're, they're with the, from the school from Bruce Ogilvy, and that's like the, the more old school that you can get, you know. And he's the one that he started. Like when, when you, if you remember when uh, Steve Hengebelt and Johnny Campbell would do it, but you know, there's only two guys, yep, half and half, and that's it. And, and, and before that. You know, but that's how uh, they were taught, and that uh, you know that uh, group of uh, badass riders that came from Team Honda, mm-hmm. they they're, they're taught like that by by the master himself, Bruce Ogilvy. Yeah, and not I mean that, and you know that's interesting one too. Is I've you know I've uh, spoken with Steve Henschfeld before, and and I remember him, and and he was the night guy. He was the night specialist. Yeah. You know, and, and which is absolutely crazy. And I've seen, you know, I, my story with him was, uh, favorite story with him was in, at one of the events that I was at, he came hauling ass through this whoop section and actually beat us to the checkpoint or the, the, the stop and had to turn around and then comes back. And I mean, when I mean blue bias, I mean like 90 over whoops i mean just on it and then he comes back and he's talking to us like he just ordered at starbucks and is waiting for the coffee to be ready and I, I, I don't know how they have that like you know that mentality that the ability to process things that quickly and then not let the adrenaline get the best of them but no, I, I, know, I know steve personally he's a good friend of mine actually thanks to him i started racing uh baja motorcycles he introduced me to a lot of his friends that were racing baja and other teams and all that and when they needed like a ringer or a, some guy that would do these sections and all that they would get me they would so tag uh, you. yeah i was part of that gang and that was super cool and i i learned a lot of, a lot from Steve and the, the, one of the things of him that he has such a, like a calm 
like a calm down his while he's like going a hundred miles per hour and he feels so calm or I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird that, <laughs> that, that way that he is, but he's, this is, he's normal like that. You know, he's like, it's like, uh, for him, it's like a walk in the park and he's going like hauling ass, yeah. you know, like nothing. Yeah. I, I just, and I don't, I know. I, I can't imagine, you know, it'd be, it'd be fun to go riding with him, but I mean that at that point it's, I'm only going to see him for about three minutes before he's gone. Uh, yeah. And I mean, he, he, he would do like a move called the hench move. Like, uh, you were like distract or something and he would pass you by, but stand like, put him like put the bike like super close to you and look at your face like this while he's like hauling ass and look at you and then go like like you know like the road runner man like speedy gonzalo man <laughs> he just looks over at you to just check to make sure you're awake oh shit <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, man. so so let's talk about your racing what's uh what was the uh if they asked what was the best race, what was the best adventure you ever had, what uh, what would that be? Well, there were so many, but I think the, the most, it was my uh, 09 Baja 1000. It was my, my last one, actually. Mm-hmm. After that, I stopped racing mm-hmm. uh, because I had an accident. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was, was, was very cool because I uh, uh, we won the championship in the sportsman class. I was racing with uh, Jeff Leonard. Mm-hmm. And uh, they accidentally they gave me more miles than I was uh, supposed to do. <laughs> like, and the cool thing is, uh, uh, the guy that was going to get on the bike uh, for the finish didn't show up, so I did it to the finish and got to get to the finish and win the championship, man. So that was very cool for me. Nice. Getting in. Uh, did you guys finish at night? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, I think that's the, I think that's the biggest thing, right? You get getting into Ensenada, everything is dark, you know, it's nighttime and just, just this glow of the city and. Oh yeah. And then uh, the, when back then, uh, all those were, were, there's like a lot of housing projects right now. And it was outside the outside skirts of Ensenada. Yeah. Uh, it was all like little ranches and all that. And, People or the kids would uh, point you out to other places to like to get you confused, and you're riding at night. People, I see like guys getting like uh, uh, like next to me and then going, uh, you know, crossing over. Like when I see their numbers and stuff, and they're like lost and like they're like wandering stuff. And there's like kids and guys like on a uh, with a a brush fire, you know, laughing their asses off and stuff. And then, so what I did, I, I decided, like, I, I stopped with the guys and tell them, hey, dude, uh, mijo, I'm, I'm Mexican. Please help me out. I'm from here from Ensenada. I live on the land. Come on. Oh, por allá, mijo, por allá, mijo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, so you pulled the local card. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, hey. I, I I even told him, hey man, I, I live next to the, the tortilleria, man. Like, yeah, you're telling him exactly where I like right here. This is where I live. <laughs> Come see me. I will give you stickers, whatever, a shirt. Just get me home. <laughs> yeah, and they go, oh, yeah. por allá, mijo, por allá. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, I mean, what's crazy about that is is that that's where the homework comes in. 
right? And that's the I I remember that the 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 start the the mm-hmm. way out of Ensenada as then uh-huh. turns into the way back into Ensenada. I remember that you needed to know that, like if you were driving home. Yeah, because but of the, the thing ranches. is, yeah, you could you could do it outbound, but you could never pre-run uh, inbound. So that was the problem. Mm-hmm. So you would get confused, especially at night. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. And they would take the, the arrows off and everything. And no, you, we, we, we're not riding with GPSs and stuff like that, like now. Yeah. Yeah. So that definitely would make it. Yeah. So this is, so that's to say that now the sport has even gotten safer with GPS is now there, the Stella's, um, all of the tracking stuff that you guys are doing, the blue lights on the back of the bikes, you know, that's, it's, it's come a yeah, long way. Of course. Yeah. yeah that's like, it's, it's almost foolproof. And then back then, it was you have to memorize and you have to do your homework, mm-hmm. literally. Yeah, every rock, rods, like that. yeah, lines, you know, and that and that's the, you know, the, that was that's been a hot topic for, for a lot of teams. And, you know, what lines to take and where you need to be in the course and, you know, conserving energy and riding, you know, an efficient way. And like you said, that's all that's 100 percent homework. And there's no, yeah. even today, even with a GPS. Well, yeah, the only difference that most be, there's more BCPs and stuff. And wherever you go, even if you pre-run a larger section, mm-hmm. all the trucks and buggies are going to pass there and it's going to be worse every day. Yeah. What, what would you say is the, the, for pre-running, right? If you're going to pre-run for a, on a motorcycle, when would you say would be the best time to do it? A few days before the race, go a couple weeks before or... I would say when they open up the course, you go do it, and when that's when you decide with your other riders what sections to take and all that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, with a slow, like a week before the race, you do, start doing your sections and 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 you know do your, do your homework. But uh, it's it's different now because back then it would you could take some creativity lines, mm-hmm. you know. But now it's, that's not permitted, but you have to go and pre-run the more you can. And But the, the, the reality is that the, the cars are going to be, you know, putting the, the, the course worse. Mm-hmm. So it does so, make it so it makes it rougher. So that's, you know, that's that's some good insight, you know, and, and I guess, yeah, you're right. You know, you want to go at least figure out. It's, you know, it's going to change. You know, the ruts are going to get deeper. You know, you're, the holes are going to get a little bit yeah. deeper. But for the most part, you have an idea of what the course looks like. So then you know, okay, well, this guy is good in these sec- kind of sections. So we're going to, we'll have him ride that section, you know, or, or yeah. and kind of divide it up. And then, yeah. And then after that, I guess it's, you just try and do as many laps as you can right before of your section and do that. Yeah. So and, then, and then that gets you more aware and more and more, uh, you know, more more in shape for when you get in get on on the bike on race day. You know? Yeah, absolutely. More trained. Yeah, I mean, I, I you think about it like in a truck, if you blow a corner, you blew a corner, and okay, well, yeah. In worst case scenario, you hit something, it damages the truck. But on a bike, you don't have that luxury, so you need to be a no. little. So you you can't be blowing corners. You can't just say, "Well, I'm going to wing it," because. You could probably get away with 90% of it, but it's that one corner that you don't see or that one place where you know you need to be on the outside line because there's a rock on the inside is where it catches you yeah. out. 
So yeah, and then you will end up like a Picasso or something. You know? <laughs> the Gumby theory, right? <laughs> Trying to see how many ways you can bend. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it has happened man you, you see like some guys that uh they they go and they, they they take their risk and they go hauling ass and sometimes they they don't uh they take the risk but they don't train too much or they don't remember or they didn't do their homework and that's when all, all those tragedies happen yeah, or you know or or the worst part of it and and i've seen this in in all racing is the uh, the green flag syndrome you know, everything is cool, pre-running, all of that stuff. But as soon as there's a flag involved, everything goes out the window. Everybody just pushes that much harder, rides over their head, rides. You know, you're supposed to be right on the limit in racing, but eh, some people somehow figure it out. <laughs> but and then sometimes, uh, you know, people have their ego. And then that's like something that Malcolm Smith said one time, ego is going to get you hurt. If, you, if you're racing and then you have too much ego, that can get you hurt because if somebody if somebody passes you by, you have to learn, hey, that guy is faster than me. Let him go. Not, not you know, try to push it, you know, and then and, and maybe get, get hurt or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as I know, Baja is not forgiving at all. I mean, it's beautiful and there's so much to see down there and it's so easy to get distracted. And and the next thing you know, you're on the side of the road. (laughs) So, yeah, it's definitely worth the homework. So we're we're talking a a little bit about Ray. I I definitely want to talk about the Cove because I know you and Andy spent some time on it. I know you've got a you're building a relationship with Cove and doing that. But before before we get to that, I know there's a lot of people that are going to be listening that are interested in going to Baja and, and racing, maybe even just riding it. What are, yeah. what's some advice if you're, you know, if I'm a racer back East, you know, from Canada, from somewhere else in the world and I want to come race in Baja, is there some knowledge, some, some tips that you can give us to kind of, Hey, these are, you know, you got to know this, you got to do these things. Is there anything you can it's always good to know what you're riding, your your equipment, your machinery. Don't go over your head. Listen to people that already have done it or have experience and listen to them. If you can, stick to them and go pre-running with them and learn more from them. And, you know, and respect the... the respect the land, respect the people, respect the, the like even the people organizing the race and respect the locals and also, you know, uh, respect your surroundings and, and just take it easy when you're pre-running, you're just pre-running, you're not racing and don't go crazy. Don't come with a, with a ramble attitude mm-hmm. and thinking that, that you're badass, but because people come like that and they leave crying on an ambulance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I mean, and, and- even though, and that, I guess, you know, that's a very, very good point is, is that it's not until race day that these roads and a lot of these areas get locked down. So anytime you're pre-running, even in the middle of nowhere, if it's a road, it's likely an access road to somebody's ranch, to somebody's of course. home, whatever it may be out there, or it's a, it's a, you know, what's the, the crossover road from, uh, Llano Colorado over to Valle Trinidad. That's just how they get across mm-hmm. to go from one section in the roads beat up, you know, but yeah, from San Vicente. Yeah. and they, and people yeah. use it. So 
Yeah, it's a very, you know, that's a very good point. You know, if it's not race day and even in race day, I mean, you still got to be looking out. But yeah, that, that's like people that are starting to come and want to come and all that. It's a, uh, uh, it's uh, open, open yourself to anything, any advice from anybody, especially people that have done it. Open for that and and be very knowledgeable and 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 open for uh for what you're riding, your your equipment, your safety, the safety of others, mm-hmm. all that you know. Yeah know what's going on and that and i mean and that's really good to know because i mean you i mean aside from riding down there as much as you do you've also done the tech and contingency so you know you know about the motorcycles you know what things to check you know what are the you know what's the the ins and outs so i think that's that's yeah, important also as an ex-racer i race several times and you know lived the dream and did it and that that, that was it yeah. but uh but yeah I'm, it's my passion man yeah well, I'm going to, so, I mean, and that's, and I'm thinking about it right now. And, and I think that, you know, anybody that's listening, playing the home game that decides like, Hey, yeah, I want to go down to Baja. Then, um, I gotta, I'm, I have to get your information on, uh, on the episode and all that stuff. So we can get, uh, cause you're, you're centrally located no, in Ensenada. I mean, you're right. Yeah. 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 I have my, my, my office, my headquarters here mm-hmm. in Ensenada. Yeah. Um, uh, near near delante street uh near uh the the highway one. Oh, perfect yeah see so uh, that would be cool for people to stop you know before they go down or whatever if there's something missing they need an extra something or they forgot something you know and and not only that but to stop and ask questions too i think that'd be yeah so, so like uh, it's very cool because I, I I normally don't open to the public. I, oh. I, I like I sell wholesale to stores in all Mexico and stuff mm-hmm. with the products. I have a small distribution company. Nice. But uh, but when the race comes, I kind of like uh, I do like a speakeasy thing, you know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all the riders, you know, that they know and and they, and they know what that I have every, a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And then at the race, at contingency, I'm always I'm I'm there taking care of everybody, offering uh, prices uh, for contingency from the several of the companies that I represent and all that. Nice. You know, I'm I'm the, I'm the only one giving love to the motorcycle riders at the races. Okay. Nice. Well, I mean, and that's good. So, I mean, I, the way or at least the way I see it is, you know, support the people that support you. So, you know, if you're out supporting the motorcycle guys or, you know, anybody that's looking to go race Baja and all that stuff to look you up at one of the races. I mean, I think that's an, it's definitely an important resource, especially with your experience. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm always like, I always, uh, uh, have the, the, the door open and the eyes just ready with a beer for, for all the riders. Man. This is like the, I, oh. <laughs> if you're not fast enough at least you can bench race man uh, so. yeah. I, <laughs> i'm gonna have to come and listen to some of those bench races it's been a, it's been a while it's been too long since i've been to ensenada i don't think that's right i need to get down there I got well enough bikes. just let me know man I know. just be careful yeah <laughs> the, yeah i know not responsible <laughs> i cannot be held liable for yeah, this Let's go right first, and then we 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 decide what to do. <laughs> you know, ride, or if you want to check out the the, the Kobe bike the uh, personally, ride it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you're more than welcome, buddy. Yeah. So that is a great thing to say. 
tell me about the Kobe. I'm trying to get everybody's everybody's opinion on the bike and right. You know, I talked to Mike Johnson uh, about what he thought about the bike. You know, I've seen the Jimmy Lewis uh, reviews of the bike. Um, I've you know I've heard so much. I talked a little bit to Andy Kirker, but it's your turn. You literally have one. And yeah, so I'm the only guy in Mexico that has one. And actually, it's a, it's a, it's a rally racing uh, bike that Mike Johnson used at the Sonora Rally mm-hmm. and then at the Nora, you know, back to back and finished. And then even in Nora, he finished third overall and won some stages and stuff. Yeah. He did some incredible things. So I, I got it since uh, I'm going to tell you since day, day one what happened. Mm-hmm. It was something kind of, kind of, kind of cool, and and the way it went, it, it was it's it's very funny because I was like normally like you and me and all the the car the car freaks, we let, leave the, the the TV on uh, the night before the start to wake up and watch the the start. Well, I, well, I that's the way I do it. Yeah, so I <laughs> I leave the TV on fell asleep my daughter was there and then, and then like uh she kind of like woke me up with her, her snores and as soon as i wake up the start was was in was there and then the first thing i see this weird bikes that were showing up with, with chinese riders yeah and i'm like what the fuck is that oh let me see and then they you know they, they got got my attention and from there i got a gut feeling man so it was very cool that I started to follow them on Facebook and on, on YouTube. And I see the story of this guy that uh, had the dream of racing, but he could afford it. Kind of like identified with him. And then, you know, he's living the dream now with his own bike that he made. Got some riders, tested tested them out and, you know, and then the bike finished and all that. And, well, next thing you know, I, I get in touch with uh, Gary Goodwin. Was the the importer for uh for the for North America, mm-hmm. and looks like well, uh, I introduced myself and all that and start to talk about it and all that. So he invited to the IMX Expo in Vegas, mm-hmm. like in was like in February or March. I don't remember. But the cool thing that it was that uh, me, Jim Bryan, and Kurt Miller from Score. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were planning on going and have a meeting with the guys from Mojo. So I go like, oh, well, I'll kill two birds with one shot with this. Mm-hmm. So the cool thing, I got the uh, invitation from Gary uh, from Kobe. So I had my my my, my badge that said Kobe and all that. First thing, you know, after I get there and all that, and the, the cool thing, and it kind of like, it was something that get got into my like to my mind very quick. It's when I saw Scott Harden, big legendary writer and all that, and big guy in the industry. Uh-huh. And first thing he sees when when I went to say hi to him, he sees my, my he sees Kobe, and he's like, "Oh, you're with them? Oh, cool, man. That's you know, kind of like kind of like a prophet." Saying you know, kind of like saying good things about the bike, and then there's like, like he was like a prophet saying that that thing was going to be big, 
So that's when I went like, wow, like, yeah. And so I went and checked it out and, and got more in touch, uh, with Gary and saw the bike for the first time, took pictures with it and all that. And I went like, wow, okay, cool, man. So, uh, next thing I know, there's this guys from mainland that call me and then tell me, Hey, we want to know, or can you, do you know somebody or, uh, or how can we get this bike? And I go like, fuck yeah, man. I'm the guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I call, I call Gary. Hey, guess what, man? I already have one uh, pre-sold. Pre yeah, sure, man. So that's when it all started. And then we started to talk more and more and more. And then when uh, at, the, at the Nora race, mm -hmm. so after we talked to him a lot and all that, he uh, uh, he told me, hey, Mike Johnson is going to be there. Please attend him and all that. So I go like right away and Mike comes, he says, hi, super cool guy. I know him from, from years. And I go like, wow, well, uh, guess what? I'm putting my stickers on the bike. So, yeah. <laughs> so and, and yeah, like uh, after the finish and all that, I talk more and then uh, Jim Ryan calls me immediately mm -hmm. after they, they finish at, at, uh, at, at, in, in, in Cabo. Okay. And he's like, wow, did you see about, because when we went to the, to Vegas, I told him the story about the bike and showed them the YouTube video about everything. And, and they were kind of like interested, but you know, they, they, they went like, ah, but it's Chinese. Okay. But now after all that, that, that they started to do, Mm -hmm. They were like, wow, we need to do something on the score journal and we have to do something and then start promoting and maybe we can get them to race into Baja. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. So first thing I, I did, I called Gary and I'm like, what do you think if we could have a bike for exhibition at the score races that I can have them on my boot and have riders to watch and all that? Oh, yeah. Tell Mike Johnson to drop that bike over here, and and, and and when when he comes back, turns out that Tim Morton was coming back with it, and he he left it in in, in San Felipe at my friend's uh, Stefano's place. So I had to go pick it up over there, and I'm like, um, uh, Gary, can I ride it from 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 San Felipe to El Senado? Yeah, sure, man, use it. Yeah, and then you know go and then and then and, and haul ass on it go through the highway and tell me what you think about it mm -hmm. so yeah like i go like and then of course i brought all my gear and all that because i i knew i was going to ride it so my uh, first impression on the bike it's like it was all highway mm -hmm. and i was like i thought that it was going to handle like a crfx 450 or something like that but and I go and like fifth, sixth gear, this thing runs like a, like a street bike. You can go like 80, 90 miles per hour, like nothing on sixth gear. Mm -hmm. And you don't and feel vibrations or nothing that the power band is so smooth. Nice. And then I brought it to Ensenada with no problems. And, you know, to, to remind that, you know, or to think that it did, uh, the the Sonora rally the whole week and then the the, the other week another race mm -hmm. and got tortured and abused and all that and ran and ran great so first thing I do I brought it home get took it to the to to the spa mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. that old Nike team, the Chinese, and then we the, the Gary sends me a list of everything that I have to do: change oil, check this, change filters, uh, put new repack on the exhaust and things, and well, it ran like new after that. Nice. Only, only uh, like and I've been riding it through. Like sometimes on Sundays or whenever I, I don't ride my 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 uh, off road bike, I go and ride this. Go to buy Guadalupe, go do some trails and stuff, and you know have people to see it mm-hmm. if I'm going to start. But uh, the cool thing is when uh, I got the bike here and then and then and then uh, Gary gave me an authorization to have it and all that. Gary announced like, hey, now we have a dealer in Mexico. Daniel Velasquez is this is that. So after that. People that were following it from mainland Mexico started to give me calls. Mm-hmm. So guess what? Right now I have like ten pre-ordered. Nice. So yeah, so that's very cool. Now then I've been using it and and getting more uh, involved with it. And then uh, like uh, we noticed when we did the testing and we did the photo shoot for uh, me and Andy Kirker for uh, for Score Journal, mm-hmm. we noticed something weird in the clutch. But we rode it. Actually, it was very cool. The the police gave us chance to to ride in the dunes behind uh, behind uh, Walmart, and uh, and they they gave us permission. Hey, go guys, go for an hour. You can you have an hour to go and do whatever. Okay, cool, man. So we got to use it and abuse it at at the dunes, and it was very cool and all that. But we noticed something weird, and then we noticed that the clutch was. But was kind of doing something weird on, on first gear, mm-hmm. and well, after all that abuse, you know, but we the, the, Gary sends me a brand new clutch. We my mechanic goes and puts it in all that, and t- he takes the other one, and he's like, oh, it, it has some, it had some damage, but it wasn't that bad. But after all that beating, you know, yeah. that thing is a war. So after that, now the bike runs great. Better, and 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 you know it's 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 a war tank. You know, that's all I can say. In in, in the, the lower power band feels so like it feels like a little tractor. It can go through anything. Nice. Like uh, how they're considering this bike is a lightweight adventure bike goes to that new category, mm-hmm. which is something new, something different. Because before that, okay, there was rally bikes. But how much is of a rally, a freaking rally bike? Uh, well, you you, know, you can get them down there because you're in Mexico, but that's about thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> yes, only, only, only a politician from. <laughs> yeah, if, if it was a, a politician or I don't know who or prince, I don't know a prince or something, I I could afford it. Yeah, but but now it's something affordable, mm-hmm. and it's. Great for for your adventure ride. It's at least better than a, an adventure bike because you can get in in most terrain where you don't like where you, on a on a normal adventure ride that you would need a lot of talent to go through there, and not too much people have talent. Mm-hmm. Now with this one, you have you know you 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 are on a lighter bike. It's not that you you. you it's not that you don't have to be untalented. You, uh, an untalented rider can ride it. Mm-hmm. it. It takes, you know, some some uh, distress or what or, or skills 
but it's easier than a normal adventure bike. I don't know if you understand me, but what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and, and so that's actually, it's a question that I have for you. So for instance, I have, uh, I have a 790 that I put basically the rally kit on it. I mean, this thing looks like a Dakar bike, um, but it's yeah. still, it's still going to be right at the like 400 pound, uh, four, uh, 400 and 15, 430, somewhere in there. I don't know. I haven't weighed. I'm curious to weigh it. I'm, I might take it up north to get it weighed. But how is the weight on this bike? Because I heard that it, it that it's a little bit heavy. And, and that's not a bad thing because I know that heavier bikes, like the rally bikes, you know, you see how fast they go. It's actually the weight that helps them become more stable. Yeah, because of the the, the weight with uh, with uh, including the gas with the eight gallons, it makes it a little bit uh, heavier. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, it's something that uh, you know to the handling on it, it's 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 incredible. Okay, it's Even still pretty it's nimble. A, it's a little heavy. Yeah, actually, I, I in some places I can ride it like my four fifty. Okay, so. So it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's heavy. And then, then it's, it's, but it's uh, any, any rally bike is heavy. So yeah, exactly. Well, and any adventure bike is heavy, but I think this one's not even, I think it's somewhere around, uh, I, I can't remember the weight on it. I, I want to say it was like 360 pounds. So I think it's about as heavy as like a 690. Mm, I would say it's lighter. Yeah. Uh, I think it I mean, was like a, a hundred oh no. kilos. I think. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. Uh, they're claiming the uh, three hundred and twenty pounds. So no, that that is okay. Yeah, that's lighter than I thought. I actually I thought it was heavier. Like uh, I thought it was closer to like three eighty. I mean three eighty probably with full tanks. You know, I don't know eight eight gallons seven times eight or whatever that is. Yeah, 150 kilos. Yeah, let's see. So, there. I mean, that's but that's you know actually that's that's oh, damn it. Now I gotta sell my 790. <laughs> yeah. See that's the thing. That's, <laughs> see that that the, that's the problem with with the podcast is you talk to all these really cool people that have all these really cool things and now it's like, well maybe I could <laughs> if I sell this finance that. Open an OnlyFans. Yeah, I know. I got I'll have it, huh? it in no time. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's what some people are doing, man. I know, right? Believe it or not, <laughs> whatever it takes. Yeah, what, yeah. What if I sell this bike and then get me on uh, this bike? Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, and then I have some money there. Yeah. So, and then I have extra money to to go on a trip. Yeah. Well, and and you know that's that's the interesting thing. So I mean, like, okay, all right. So Gary dropped this bike off, and if you had the what. Is there anything you would add, like, you know, pick up the phone, call GPR, hey, I need a stabilizer for this, uh, call, I don't know, you know, somebody that does suspension. I mean, what what would you do to this bike, if, you know, long term well, to continue I, to ride it, to make it yours? Okay, so it came with a Scott stabilizer. Okay. But I know, like, I have, I'm a distributor with uh, GPR, and I have talked to Randy, and as soon as one 
the first batch comes, he wants to get a hold of one and uh, and, and do uh, the clamps and everything so he can put we can put the GPR stabilizer. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, the people from Recluse already got get, got on board and they, they have a Recluse crush, crush for, for that bike. Okay. So a lot of our aftermarket guys are starting to look at the bike because they know it's going to be the start selling. And, and, but as like as suspension wise, it's very good suspension. And if, if you got, if you asked Mike Johnson also, mm-hmm. they, what did we thought about the suspension? And it was a stock one. They got the one that comes with the racing bike. And he said, it's great. I, you know, I kind of like at the beginning, you know, that uh, the way to handle it, it was kind of weird for me because it was something new. Mm-hmm. But then I got the hold of it and like I, I can I could go through things and like with no problem, man, like very, very you know, it's, it's, it's a very good suspension, but it does. Yeah. Which even, I mean, the, even the light, mm-hmm. the lights. Yeah. Even the lights, I, I saw this like kind of like bubbles that has, and it, it turns out they're like magnets, and they have like a very nice uh, intensity light, and it's so bright. It's, it's it's another technology, and I was like, and, and I'm a light guy, mm-hmm. you know, and I was I was amazed mm-hmm. at things that come with the bike. Nice. Yeah, I mean that that's the I, I think that's going to be the big thing. Obviously, the price is right. I mean, nine thousand dollars for the for the adventure version, and then I think the rally version is like uh, I I just saw it. It's like fourteen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that is uh, that's you know that's huge. You know, for an advent nine grand for an adventure bike, and it's already proven itself as at Dakar, Sonora Rally, and the Nora one thousand. You know, and and neither one, not any one of those events is easy. You know, if you want to say that Sonora Rally is easy and you want to say that the Baja, uh, the Nora race is easy. Okay, fine. But you're still racing those miles. You're still beating the shit out of the bike. It's not like you're taking it easy. They're all racing. We have had some uh, score veterans racing Nora and they they end up, you know, uh, crashing or abandoning the race or, or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 not, it's not easy. They say it's a, the most fun race in the world, but I don't think it is. It, it, it's kind of tough also. There's no such thing. Yeah. Well, that's what we were talking about earlier. Is it like, yeah, it's one thing to know, you know, it, it's once the green flag drops, once it's fun and games and everything, but then you start pushing, you know, you, the, yeah. uh, it's the green flag and then it's the dust. I've, I've raced before in cars and I know what happens. You start to see dust and you, you want to catch that dust. And then once you catch that dust, you want to get past that dust. And, and all that time you're pushing a little harder. You're breaking a little bit later. You're accelerating a little harder. You're not slowing down as much. You know, there's a lot of things that go into that, you know? And so that that feeling when you catch somebody and pass them, it's, 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 it's amazing, man. And that's, that's racing. No, and it's yeah. a, it's the feeling that we love, man. Yeah, yeah, that ability, that that little goal, that you know, I got it, you know, on this yeah, day. <laughs> you know, that's but it's awesome. So, okay, so I, from what I understand, and I've been keeping up with Gary's posts, uh, it sounds like the first batch of bikes is already on the boat on its way here. So yeah, it's uh, arriving on the last days of August. 
Last days of August. Okay. Yeah. So I'm already uh, been doing all my homework at customs and all that to import them into Mexico. Mm -hmm. uh, all my my paperwork and all, everything, everything, everything all dialed in and all that. So I'm just waiting and and hopefully uh, giving them or sending them to the customers very soon. Nice. Yeah, this is going to be, I mean, this is, this is great. I mean, I'm excited to see it because I feel like it's a, it's a bike that's proven itself. Like nobody was expecting it. I'm, I'm with, I'm with you and what you were saying that everybody was like, ah, yeah, it's a Chinese bike. Ah, yeah, it's this. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's that, you know, but all of a sudden a lot of people are saying this thing is good. And then things you can't hide, like finishing the Dakar, you know, being competitive at Sonora, being competitive at Nora things you cannot hide are starting to prove that, okay, this bike is, is legit. Aside from the fact that it costs a third of what, a uh, of what uh, the, a, a European bike, a European, yeah. An Austrian rally bike, you know, and, and you could yeah. build one. I mean, yeah, if you wanted to get a 690, you buy all the kits and all of that stuff for it. But you know, the, the bike is 12 K, you know, for the, for a stock mm -hmm. 690, 12 to 14, depending where you get it. And then you're still another five yeah. grand in, in rally parts before you even get to it. You know? That's like 20. Yeah. 20, 25. Yeah. In a hurry. Blink of an eye. And the bikes that are, uh, the bikes that you have sold, if, I mean, if we can know this, the bikes that you have sold, are they the rally version or are they the adventure version? Um, uh, I think like 80% is the, the, uh, the, the trail version. Okay. The, the dual Mm -hmm. And I have maybe, uh, yeah, I have like uh, two. I just got ordered two of the racing version. Oh, no, I got three. Okay. So nice. like three ordered the racing version. Okay. So nice. but the rest is a uh, dual sport. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is going to be, I mean, it, it's going to be huge. And then I already saw, uh, I saw some news from the factory already that they've got a new rally engine, I think, that's going to be like 20 kilos lighter or yeah. something like that. Yeah, a very lightweight motor that they're from, like, developing. Yeah. I saw that. Yeah, so, um, but uh, what also we're like trying to talk is with the with the same uh, base or with, the, with the, that bike, Mm -hmm. uh, make an off-road bike or a Baja racing bike, you okay. know, with, with that platform. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's something that we're talking about. Stay tuned. We might have some, some of them racing in Baja soon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. What could you, well, you know, what's interesting. I, I, the way I see it is right. Is they don't need the windshield. So I'm looking at this one. I'm thinking, okay, well, if it was like a hybrid of the dual sport version, that tower, that side, or I mean, unless you get rid of the fairings altogether, but yeah. keep the fairings, lower the equipment, you know, now you got real room for a Stella. It's not on the handlebars. It's not all crowded, smaller windshield, you know? Yeah. Maybe the two tanks in front might, you know, they, they don't work. Yeah. Um, they save you from some pits and maybe the, the, the rear gas tank eliminate that and put something normal. Uh, you know, those old KTMs that uh, used to race in the nineties. Yeah, uh, you know, you know what I would like to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it. I thought about it earlier. You know what would be interesting to see is somebody like Colton Udall on one of these in the thousand. I don't know hmm. how it's, I don't know how the ties are with Honda, but that'd be interesting to see somebody. You know, 
I don't or I don't know who you guys may have in the lineup, but that would be uh you know, or or maybe Henge, I don't know. Uh, you know, that would be uh, a... <laughs> um, we already have been talking to a pro rider who is there in the top five. I'll I'll let you uh, I'll let you think about it and I'll and if you buy me a six pack, I'll tell it next week. <laughs> <laughs> Hand delivered, no recording devices, yeah. and an, a non-disclosure agreement. Got it. <laughs> yeah, come, come bench race over here, and I'll, 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 I'll tell you more about it. There we go. So, there we go. But uh, yeah, we're already kind of like planning and doing some stuff, and then uh, one of my the first customer actually the first guy that ordered one is just racing in baja also in the sportsman class and uh, they're like they're waiting for their bike actually to fix it up and race it at the 400 okay yeah so, that... I mean, but i'm just praying that nothing happening happens in customs in newport beach or something i i'm just like you know praying that everything goes well and you know good timing and all that and we might have the, some covid racing the 400 so that there would you be, go. Yeah, there we go. That'd be that would definitely be interesting. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I'm, well, that one's coming up, right? It's right. Uh, Baja 400 coming up in September. Yeah. September 16 to the 18 or something like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got I talked to Andy about that and I got to figure out uh, the time off at work. But so I can get down there and and hang out with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. That would be cool, man. Yeah. Do something, yeah. Do something a little yeah. bit different. Or I got to get down there. Maybe go right into the uh, into the Valle or something like that. I got the probably the seven ninety. I don't know there, or maybe oh. the five hundred one. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah, sometimes no, normally sometimes what we do, me and Andy, is like we do like a pre run thing. We uh, pre run run with uh, like with newbies or guys that are new to the race or to score and all that. We take them do the start and we pre run, and then Andy tells them all their you know pointers and stuff and it's just something kind of cool that we kind of organized before the race maybe you can join us for that yeah that would be cool yeah something like that would be cool yeah but man i'm i'm, I'm excited i'm thinking all right you know some coves racing uh racing the baja races doing some sprint racing be cool to see you know a light version of it you know everything kind of stripped down and and you know, all business. Yeah, that's that, that's what uh, we're thinking about, and like with with riders giving me that advice. And uh, once all this comes, through, we we need to have the bikes first, and then from there, get more feed, feedback and brainstorm and come up with other things, other crazy things. And uh, you know, the sky's the limit. You know, yeah. it's just the beginning. Right now, I'm in a white canvas, about to paint something big. Yeah. I, I I agree. I mean, with as much as traction as this bike is gaining, all the coverage on it, all of its results and what it, how it's proven itself so far, I think that that's going to be a big, you know, it's going to be a huge, uh, a huge ordeal. And then especially at a time where bike prices are, are just are absolutely crazy right now. You know, the cost of a yeah. new, even the cost of a used bike, used bike prices are even high. I know. Oh. After COVID, everything, a lot of things went went higher, especially the motorcycles. Yeah, anything that got to be imported, anything like that. You know, everything kind of slowed down and dried up, and so now it's demand versus supply. 
I know. And right now it's like, it's good timing also for COVID, like uh, between you and me. And then that's kind of like something that I think. And, and I kind of like uh, talked about it with score and it's good timing also for, uh, for the company, for Kobe mm-hmm. to introduce the bike since no other manufacturer, motorcycle manufacturer is uh, approaching to score as a sponsor us or to bring their, their teams or their factory teams mm-hmm. and this is the opportunity for them to, to step up and, and, and start you know start uh, coming and, and and step up to the game and then maybe the other companies would start to, to come back again and make make score motors great again that uh, you know that that's very interesting because yeah it's you know we know Honda's been out of it for a while Cowie's been out of it and they support privateer teams you know, the, the Yamahas yeah. of that. And, and there might be some grassroots support. I think Honda supports maybe more than others and, you know, KTM as well uh, or, or the, Aust- the Austrian brands. But it would be very interesting if an, if a manufacturer like Kove came in and said, yeah. you know, we want to sponsor the series. We're willing to put this much money up, you know, and, and then see how, uh, you know, and see how that, you know, you kind of, the, what is it the the yeah. the red the red cape to the bulls? <laughs> yeah, a little bit yeah. of teasing there. Yeah, yeah, like the the, the like the, the torero, uh-huh. like a bullfighter. You put it on the way. Orale. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, so, well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. So who knows? I'm just saying, who knows, man? But uh, dreaming is free. So. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, absolutely. So then it then it becomes to put uh, pen to paper. So. But it'll it'll happen it'll happen soon. So all right, we got uh, we got all this. We talked Kobe, uh, but just to kind of recap too. Uh, so Fast House, Bell Helmets, IMS, all of these brands, uh, and then you know they can find you at the score races. You know in contingency floating around. Yeah, well, I'm always at contingency at uh, next to tech. That's now where they put me because, uh, you know, if somebody doesn't have the the safety lights, I'm there next to them and they send them to me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, again, that's a huge thing that you guys did for that. I think that's really big. And then since like, uh, if like I'm there and like, uh, all, all the motor guys know that I'm there and I always have something and then somebody needs like a drinking system or goggles or whatever, I'm always there, man. And I'm taking care of everybody. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And, and I mean, and it's, and it's greatly appreciated and especially with all of your knowledge, you know, and cause I know for some of these teams, you know, and talking to like Seth Barnes last week and some of the other people that I've talked to, it's like, they don't know, you know, they don't understand I've talked to a lot of guys that are adventure bike riders that want to go ride in Mexico, but you know, everybody thinks that as soon as you get across the border, you get held up and you get, you know, kidnapped. And it's, it's just, it's not like that. You know? <laughs> well, as, you know as long story. as you hang out with the right people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and that, and that's very true. And, and, you know, it's funny, anybody that's ever told me that, and I'm going, look, there's places in downtown LA or, or in San Francisco, I wouldn't go at night. Why would I treat Mexico any differently? You know, so <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, hey, and I tell them at, at least in here in Mexico at the liquor store, they don't have the, the anti bulletproof uh, glass and all that shit like in, in Compton. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good point. That is a very good point. I never actually realized that, but you're absolutely, I've been in enough Oxos 
I've been in enough liquor stores, and you're absolutely right. There is no bulletproof glass in liquor stores. Down yeah, there. there's no 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 guys outside waiting for you and and then harass you or something like over there. Yeah, I I, I had one time I had a very bad bad experience in in Atlantic Boulevard in LA. So it was it was not uh, it was not fun. So, yeah. but uh. Well, I ended up there by mistake, waiting for a friend of mine, for my friend Marty Gomez, and I ended up there, and uh, I called Marty, and like, hey, well, where, and he's like, where are you at? He was going to pick me up. I, I went on a bus, and he's like, uh, I tell him, I'm here in uh, Atlantic, uh, Atlantic, where? Atlantic Boulevard. Hey, hold on. Stay inside where you are. I'm going to go and get you. truck. <laughs> 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 I'm coming for you. He calls me and like, I'm okay, go outside and I'm going to make a U-turn and get on the truck. Dude, there were some like uh, uh, African-American guys. Yeah. Sorry, I cannot say the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they were starting to ask me for dollars and I go like, uh, no, no, no hablen less, señor. And I'm all dressed in white with a guayabera going to like a 50 anniversary wedding party or something. All dressed in white. And they thought that I was making fun of them. Dude, I go and hop on the back of the truck and those guys are throwing rocks at me. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it it was funny, man. But uh, it was scary. But then now that I'm telling it, it was kind of funny. But, you know. That's how naive is, is a Mexican going to the U.S. and encounters all this. And sometimes Americans are not that naive because they know and they, they're afraid of a few, which is safer. That's my point. Yeah. No, I, no, I completely agree. Like people forget that three blocks from anywhere in some of these neighborhoods here in the States is just as bad. I mean, you could be walking in San Francisco in one of the nicer areas and literally the block right behind it is complete trash. You don't want to be there at night. So yeah. no different. It's just like, it's, it's just unknown. So it's scary and, and, and we get it, but you know, the vast majority, you know, locals, people like you, a lot of the people that are down there, you know, when you know, know people, it's a very different story. It's a very different picture. And, and it's just so much like culture and, and so many things to see the food. What happened? I remember it was just tacos, just basic stuff. And now it's like you've got these food places that you would never expect that are absolutely amazing that I would pick over any restaurant in San Diego any day. You know, so. oh, and then you have awesome breweries, awesome wineries, like five star or even Michelin uh, guys that, 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 that have their restaurants here in, in Baja, in yeah. Guadalupe. Yeah. Well, a lot of good options in downtown or in Valle, uh, everywhere. And it's, it's becoming like a gastronomic capital of, of the world. Good. Not just the off-road racing capital of the world, but also the gastronomic yeah. capital of the world. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to get back down there. It's the summer months, right? Hey, Hawaii is not too bad. May I twist your arm <laughs> more? Yeah. I know, right? You know Manita de Koshi. There we go. There we go. I got to yeah. try and get in. I got to get in line tomorrow for uh, what is it? The Doña Stella's in the in the Valle. Oh yeah, the birreria, the, 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 the breakfast place. Yeah, the breakfast place. Yeah, I saw Gordon Ramsay was down there recently. 
Yeah, everybody goes there because, uh, well, the other things, some places are so expensive, and that place is uh, very affordable, and the, the, the breakfast is good and all that. So you go there, eat a lot, so that way you're not hungry all day. And you don't spend more money on the high-end restaurants. Yeah. That's how a lot of people how they do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just get full there and then not, you know, yeah. I, I guess you could say it's wise, and then the wine doesn't hit as much, and then the mixed drinks, and then the beer, and then, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. That, 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 that also could be a reason. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. Well, cool. All right. Well, uh, all right. What else do we need? I think we hit everything, right? We got Baja 400. We talked Kove for sure. That's going to be huge. Uh, the Night Rider lights and, and all that you're doing down there, what you do with the, with the score organization. What else? Uh, yeah. What else do we have going on? That's well, it. Uh, I think that's it. <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah. Well, anyway, we're, we'll get, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to run into you soon here at the, uh, if it's not the Baja 400, it'll be before that, you know, come, come hang out, hang out, check out the Cove and uh, check out the installation there where you're at. And I don't know. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Let me know when we can plan out something and we can go ride. Actually, uh, I think uh, in August I'm, I'm planning to ride to Cuatro Casas nice. with uh, with guys on adventure bikes. Okay. Uh, well, my friend Team Abshire and some other friends they're uh, they're coming uh, with their adventure bikes, and uh, uh, you might join us, and okay. that would be the fun. Yeah. I'll be riding the the Kobe. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I mean, we could do that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, perfect, Señor. Muchas gracias. De nada, señor. Ya. Yeah. So, un placer. Un placer y ya. Hablamos pronto. Órale, pues. Uh, awesome. Gracias. Thank you, Danny. All right. See ya. Okay, buddy. Bye. See ya, bye. All right. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.